Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 149th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! They're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb runs straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Got a few things to talk about as the preseason AP Top 25 poll was released. We'll tell you where Carolina came in and some of the historical notes that come with their preseason ranking. And also Carolina did land a commitment in the 2023 class last night that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, but we start every edition of the podcast, as we always do, brought to, uh, with the pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. Head over to draft, DraftKings.com or download their app and use the promo code TBPN to use the latest promo code to take advantage of our latest offer from DraftKings. And we go to Ken Norton. Uh, oh. don't know who he is. Uh, he may be the guy that founded the Norton stuff you see on your computer. No, Ken Norton. Ah, uh, well, it could be one of two guys. Is it Ken Norton or Ken Norton Jr.? Ken Norton is an American professional boxer. Ken Norton Jr. is a former linebacker who is who recently served as the defensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to go with the boxer. Okay. But, therefore, I don't know which one it is. Or there could be some other random guy. Named this could Kendall. be literally just be Ken Norton, uh, neighbor. Yeah. Um, but he once said, do not delude yourself with shortcuts. There are no, there are no shortcuts in reaching the goals you set for yourself. And the goals we have set for us as a podcast is to have the best year we've ever had. And we are well on our way to, to doing just that. And the goal for this Tar Heel basketball team is to to get back to the Final Four, get back to the, the get back to Monday night, and win the national championship with a preseason speculated of this team being the preseason number one team in the country. 
that did come to fruition today as the preseason AP Top 25 was released and Carolina was the preseason was voted as the preseason number 1 team in the country for a record 10th time break, breaking a tie previously held with our arch rival and nemesis the Duke Blue Devils and, and so I think you know it was just something that was kind of really all but a formality you returned four starters from a team that they'll tell you was a rebound away from winning a national championship. You add in a transfer in Pete Nance, who is an who is a very experienced, skilled big man. Your two main bench contributors from last year they come back, along with some other bench players as well. And then you you add the four freshmen that you're adding into the fold this year, and and there's a big reason why, or it's easy to see why. Carolina did become or or was voted as the preseason number one team. There are seventy. This is the seventy fifth year of the AP Top Twenty Five poll for college basketball. This will be the sixty sixth time that Carolina has at least appeared in the in the poll at one point or another. It's not bad. Fifty eight of the sixty six times that they have been ranked and in, in, in the in 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 the in the poll, they've been ranked inside the top ten. So 58 of the 75 mm. years of the poll, they've been a top 10 team in the country Ooh. at one point or another. And this will mark the 21st time or the 21st season they will have played as the AP number one team in the country. When you do 21 divided by 75, that's that's on pace for one in about every four and a half years or there so. You go. There you go. Um, Yeah. Again, does it really get much better than that? I don't think there are many teams in the country, if any, that can even remotely say that. Yeah, I mean, like UCLA, Duke, and Kentucky, and Kansas, your your blue bloods, they have an argument. Carolina will play, uh, you know, their one hundredth or eleventh game as a as a number one team in the country. That's the fourth most in in, in the in in the poll era. And so it's really just, you know, a collection of just another example of why when we talk about what separates this program from everything else, it's not just the national titles. It's not just the Final Fours. It's how it's it's how the titles and the Final Four appearances, they've expanded over really the... the it's, it's the consistency of the, the program. It's not a flash in the pan every once in a while. It is year in and year out. That's why expectations are so high. Every year for Carolina basketball. That's why, honestly, that's why last year was so special. A team entering as an eight seed and making a run because you you never see that at Carolina. Normally, that is the expectation. And this year, I mean, look, that is the expectation. But I feel like this team's more more than capable of living up to it. Well, and I think that's the thing is that the last time Carolina was ranked preseason ranked number one was 2015, 2016. That team had a lot of the same qualities in terms of depth and, and experience that was coming back that year. But they didn't have the amount of success that last year's team had when they got that preseason number one ranking. And, you know, if you go back to that year, that team ebbed and flowed. The last time Carolina played as a number one team in the country was when they lost at Northern Iowa. They have, they have not been ranked number one since. And, that, and, that, and after that loss that year... People questioned and wondered, was that team, you know, even the best team in the ACC or a legitimate Final Four contender, they validated all of those things 
you know, making it to the national title game as a one seed and was, like last year's team, on the doorstep of a national championship. But really this team, when you're doing the comparison thing and so much of Carolina's titles, there's a there's a, there's a common theme that you compare to a previous title team. This one feels like 08-09 because you're returning back so much depth, so much experience, so much talent. You added a piece or two that you didn't have the year before. But I think it's more about the demeanor that this is a team that is is really that they came back for one mission. And we, we talked about this a little bit last week when we, when we recapped ACC tip off. Like they were saying that you know it wasn't a NIL influence decision. It wasn't it was simply the fact that they they wanted to come back and win a national championship and, and hang a banner. And I mean while that while that comes with expectation and and there's there's going to be a lot of pressure to go out and play and play at a high level every single night. This team, at least in the preseason, has talked the part, and and, and now the, now they're challenged with having to go out there and play as number one team starting on November seventh. Yeah, but I, I you know the thing is is I don't think this is a team that's really going to be you, you got to be concerned about because it's a team that seems to know that that burden is on them. And and to be honest with you, I don't think they really think of it as a burden. And that's the most important thing. There are teams that sometimes you can tell that it is, I wouldn't say a burden, but it is definitely pressure. Mm -hmm. With this team, I mean, look, man, this is the expectation. They know that. They know coming into this season, our goal is to win a national title. They have stated it multiple times. If they do not achieve that goal, they, and probably most Tar Heel fans, and rightfully so, will see it as a failure of a season. Yep. Not and again, there are different levels of failure. So that doesn't mean, hey man, the program is back to where it was when Hubert Davis took over or anything like that. No, no, no. But they they are I feel like this is a team just from listening to them. They they sound more than motivated and it sounds so much like the teams that we've heard in the past. The 17 team, the guys that returned from that 16 team that wanted to win it for the guys that couldn't take home that championship. The 08 09 team. And I told you, I think it's kind of a com, it, they're in between the two in terms of where they are because that 08 09 team, I think, was just another level. That team, I mean, they, they expected to be in the national championship. They frankly expected to win the title. They thought they were the best team there. And to be honest, on paper, they probably were. But that last year's team really wasn't, but they believed that they were. They believed that they should have won the national championship, and they gave it away. So I, I'm excited to see what this team looks like. Uh, I Do I think they're going to stay number one the entire season? Probably not. The schedule would tell you no because they're, of course, yeah. they're going to lose games in November or December. But I will tell you this. I would be stunned if this is not a one seed in the tournament. Whether that means they're the number one overall team in the country at that time or not, but if I had to say today, this looks like a team mentality-wise, talent-wise, that will be a one seed when we get to the tournament, and that's what matters. I think the most impressive thing is that I think we all knew this would happen under Hubert Davis. I don't think it would be in year two. Like We, we kind of admitted last year during the summer before I picked them to go on the Final Four run in the preseason, that the program was actually in in a rebuild. And I'm not going to say it was rebuilding. It was rebranding. 
It was Carolina basketball finding out its identity, who they are under Huber Davis. And now you 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 saw a team that came to Charlotte last week, and you know I had the pleasure to be up close and personal and sit with the head coach and and sit with R.J. Davis and sit and sit with Caleb Love and see that motivation, see that determination. They're not phased by the attention. They welcome it. They welcome the pressure because you know as we often say in sports that the pressure is a privilege. But this team, I think, is is embodying that, and I think that's a direct reflection of their head coach because that's all he's talked about is is getting this team and this program to to where it should be. And you know, it it I've I've often said that it's the best it's the best job in college basketball. It's it's a top 5 job in college athletics. It is a more prestigious job, I believe, than a third of the jobs in the NBA when you go when you factor into what being the head coach of Carolina really comes with and so it's it's really it's really remarkable when you think about really where this team was after they lost at home to Pittsburgh and what they did the last two months of the year and then what they did in the offseason bringing everybody back adding what they needed to get in the portal you know bringing in the incoming flux of talent and now they're setting up for what we are hoping is going to be a special season but as history has proven that then you know this is now the tenth time that Carolina will start the season pre, uh, re, preseason ranked number one. It doesn't always lead to a happy ending. Here are the previous nine results when this happened: 1977-78, team went out in the first round. Different circumstances back then. The tournament wasn't yet expanded to 64 teams, so I believe in I believe there were 32 teams in the field at that time. It might have been 48. 1981-82. That team won the national championship. Um, 83-84, that's when the team lost famously or unfamously to Indiana in the Sweet 16 and arguably the best basketball team to ever maybe play basketball at Chapel in Chapel Hill, and they didn't even make the Final Four. 1986-87, a team that went undefeated in regular season ACC play, lost in the Elite Eight. 93-94, um, they they. Went out in the round of 32. That was the year I believe they lost to Boston College. 2007-2008, my first real year watching the team on a night-in, night-out basis. Lost to Kansas in the Final Four. Yep. 2008-2009, they were the national champion. Uh, 2011-2012, they lost in the Elite Eight to Kansas. And then 2015-2016, they were the national runner-up. So the good news is, is that... For the previous nine times, they were in the Final Four, four of them, mm-hmm. and they were in the Elite Eight of them for for six of the, six of the nine times, and, and and so not I mean like look it's it's a preseason poll, but you know this is something that we're talking about the pressure and the privilege, and we've kind of labeled it national title or bust. You know you'll hear you'll you'll hear from media pundits over the next couple weeks getting you ready for the season and. They'll all be asked with the same question. You know, it's it's really the only way you probably really deem this thing a, a a total failure, a lack of success, is if you probably bow out. You know, before the Elite Eight. But I think there is history on this side to say that Carolina, with pressure, with expectations, is going to be a team we're talking about deep into March, hopefully into April. I mean, you got well look. Two of the best teams in program history are on that list. 
And I mean, on paper, I mean, this looks like a team that could be eventually in that conversation. I mean, it's look, it's going to be really, really hard to top those teams in 81, 82, and 08, 09. But again, I've, I've drawn that comparison a lot this year. So yeah, I, I feel pretty confident. There's no doubt about it. I feel like this team is ready for it. And again, look at how many of those teams came in with guys on that team that were probably saying, and again, media day isn't the same thing that it it is now, even, even back in 08-09. How many of those teams probably had guys at the start of the season say, look, it's title or bust? Out of all those teams that were preseason ranked number one. I mean, this is probably along with that 81-82, 08-09, maybe 07-08, maybe. And I don't know, maybe 11 and, and yeah. 12 because they had some veteran guys on that. But again, with that team, I mean, we, we don't know what would have happened if Kendall Marshall doesn't get hurt. So the track record is really good when they've put those expectations on themselves. I, I feel pretty confident in this group. I, I'm not I'm not paranoid that it's going to end like some of these other ones did. I just, there is too much talent on this team. There's too much motivation and again, I mean, you you go back, you talked about it after they lost in the national title game. Walking out of the Smith Center, you said, look, this team always has to go through hurt before they can win a title, it seems. that That is something that we, we've seen it with so many of these other weird things that match up with the ACC tournament losses and all that kind of stuff. It's just one of those weird things that fits into the narrative of winning a title and call me crazy, I'm the dude buying into it. Well, and I also think a thing that really plays into this is that this isn't a team like the 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 fifteen sixteen team was preseason ranked number one based off returning experience and talent because they they only had made the Sweet Sixteen the year before, so it was like they had made a deep run or anything. Well, this team did, and this team for the last month of the year was playing on fumes just to get itself into the field. You know, the win at Duke all but solidified them as a tournament team. And then you look at that tournament run where, you know, you had to go with the, through the number one seed in their backyard. Then you had to go through UCLA. You kind of, I mean, it's hard to call St. Saint Peter's a, a gimme, but, like, you know, you, you, had a, you had a team that was playing in its, its own version of its backyard because their, their, their school not too far away and everyone was rooting for the Cinderella. And then you had to go through your arch rival, for a second time in a month in the Final Four. And then you had to play a program that has owned you in the tournament, and you were a rebound away. So they're they're primed and, and ready for this moment. And, and I truly don't believe they wouldn't have come back if that wasn't the main goal. I mean, like, don't get it wrong. Like, Armando Baycott and Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, they all have areas in their game they need to improve if they want to play professionally whether it's in the NBA or whether it's overseas. But I do think because they had the NIL money last year that if if winning a national championship wasn't their sole focus, they wouldn't have come back. They would have, they would have taken the run for what it was and realized that that team will still always be remembered and glorified for ending Coach K and, and, left, and left at peace. But they're not, and, and they're ready to come back and hopefully finish the job and and we're really excited to to be able to sit here and watch this team play and then come on here and talk about this team play. 
We're going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll talk about that recruit that Carolina landed last night. And I've got a closing note, a closing note before we get out of this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off this season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA money line bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app now, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA, whether it's the local Charlotte Hornets or my beloved New York Knicks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys have been taking great evangelistic offers I've been giving you over here on the Four Corners side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Well, the weekend ended on a high note for Hubert Davis and his staff as they landed 6'9 power forward from Spring Branch, Texas. He will play his, his final season of high school ball for Arizona Compass Prep, a program we saw up close and personal about, program. about two years ago. As as Zayden High committed to Carolina late on Sunday evening, and and this is a recruitment that it pretty much came together in a month. Carolina offered him on September eighth. He visited on September thirtieth in the midst of the week after, um, you know, the the hurricane had had made its way through the southeast, and then he committed on October sixteenth. Sean May was his lead recruiter, but basically it was a vision of him being sold on. You're the guy that we want to, to come in and, and be the guy to, to do what Armando Baycott is going to do and help fill that void. Uh, but he also has the, the ability to, to step out beyond the three-point line. So really a, a modern version of what Hubert Davis wants out of his five position. We know Will Shaver is a, is a project, and Jalen Washington is a guy that Hubert Davis has said is the best shooting big he's ever seen. But there's also legitimate health concerns about him moving forward with his knee injuries. Um, he is the number 55 player overall nationally compared to 24-7, point, uh, 24/7 sports while being the number 12 power forward and the number four player from Texas. Also, he becomes the first player since Justin Jackson to commit to Carolina from Texas. And I guess the thing is, is because this was a recruitment that really blew up and Carolina was somewhat interested, you know, while Gigi Jackson was committed, but after he decommitted, Carolina got, let's just say it, more involved. But I guess the real question is, is are you surprised how quickly this came all together considering you're talking about a mist of five weeks and you got a four-star prospect already committed to a 2023 class? 
I got to tell you, nothing in recruiting on in in either sport surprises me anymore. It is amazing how quickly you can send out an offer and immediately become the leader for somebody, get guys on campus that quick. I got to tell you, I just dur- during this podcast, I have been going back and watching multiple highlights of this dude. Glad to know that you're listening. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, tr- most of the time I'm trying to tune you out anyways. I, I watched a lot of them last night, too. Um, and I watched him in the game last night where he announced, this dude, I don't see how this kid is a four-star. Like, you, you mentioned it. I think what this guy is is to fill what Gigi Jackson is leaving behind. Well, earlier this summer, about, or... <laughs> Now, it wouldn't have been this summer. It, they, they posted the video about six months ago. He went toe-to-toe with Gigi Jackson. And I don't know if he got the best of them. Both of them looked really good. There is a lot to like about this dude. I mean, you, you're talking about 6'9". Could still be growing, by the way, because I believe... His last year of high school ball, he was 6'6". He's about 7'3 with his haircut. So, I mean, he has... He has really grown up. This dude has everything that Hubert Davis wants. A guy, you talk about somebody that can stretch the floor. This dude can shoot the ball and shoot it at a high level from deep. And that's that's what Carolina really wants. Uh, he runs the floor at about as well as anybody that I've seen, probably since Armando when we saw him in high school. But he's a little bit thinner. I mean, he, he can take guys off the dribble. It doesn't look like it's unnatural to him. And the one thing that I really like from him as well is a lot of his highlights are defensive highlights. It's a guy that likes to protect the rim, even at 6'9". He he looks like the complete package. And he's one of those guys, when we landed Seth Trimble last year, we watched his, his film and we said, this is a guy that's going to trend up some of these recruiting boards at some point. He's just too good. I think Zayden High is probably the same way. He is, it, I mean, he's going through, he just went through an offseason of, you know, so, of, of being in one of these uh, AAU teams and now goes back into the high school level. You would imagine, you know, as a, as a player that's ranked as highly as he is in his state, he'll probably dominate the state of Texas. I, this guy, by the end of this recruiting cycle, I, I would expect to see him probably as a high-end four, borderline five-star player because he's he's really got just about everything. This should be one that excites a lot of people. I think the biggest thing about this recruitment is it speaks volumes of the way that Hubert Davis sells his vision and then Sean May is able to carry that out. And you're really starting to see Sean May become an elite recruiter, a guy that is very trusted by Hubert Davis on this rec- on on this coaching staff, which is important because you know that's that, that's that's a big part of that's what that's how Hubert Davis earned the trust of Roy Williams when he came back. It wasn't just coaching the JV team; it was it was leading it was leading the charge on the recruiting trail amidst the NCAA investigation, trying to get the guys you needed. You know, in your program to to compete, and so I think, I think that's that's what this speaks volumes about, and that's why even though this class only has one other commitment in it currently, in the five star Simeon Wilcher, I'm still not panicking about the class only having two commitments because 
I do think after the the thing with Gregory Gigi Jackson, I think they had to reassess and take a deep breath mm-hmm. and and really take a look at the kids that they were getting involved with and the families they were getting involved with because we we don't talk about that enough in recruiting that when you're recruiting these kids you're also recruiting their families. Well, Gregory his his family situation impacted his decision. We'll leave it at that. Yep. And, and so I think it was just Hubert Davis saying, "Look, guys, we don't. I don't want to do this over and over again. It's why coaches get burnt out. It's why the. It's why coaches gripe and complain about recruiting. And so I think they just said, "We're going to take some time. We're going to watch them. We're going to watch some film. Also, the dead period played a lot of part of it. But we're, we're we we need to." We need to be more thorough when we're going through a recruitment. Something Roy Williams did all the time, where kids or fans would wonder, why wasn't he involved in X, Y, and Z player? And then you 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 know something figure you know something happens, and it goes, oh, that's why, because he did his homework. He went and saw him lift weights at six a.m. and because he didn't get his teammate a cup of water, he doesn't want that guy on his team. It's those little things that really are the big things, and so. You know, I think that's something we know we had to really t- talk about back over the summer when he when he decommitted. But it, it's still why I, I'm not worried because when he got the job, Seth Trimble was a guy who was all but a lock for Michigan, and four weeks later he was in Chapel Hill and Carolina Blue. Yep, Zayden High was the guy that Carolina was interested in, but they had Gregory G. G. Jackson. That goes away. You go into the dead period. The recruiting period starts back up, and in five weeks he's a Tar Heel. And you beat out Michigan, Villanova, Arkansas. Those are programs that have been really good for the last three to five years. Arkansas is just killing it on the recruiting Yeah, you've got an elite recruiter in Arkansas, elite recruiter at Michigan. And and so I think that's something we need need to be mindful of. That, yeah, I mean, do we want just two kids in the class? No, because that 23 class is really going to be important for Hubert Davis establishing the longevity of this program. Well— but here's the thing. Is it necessarily a bad thing that there's only two guys? Because, again, look at the class you just brought in. You don't want to be rebuilding through the portal year after year, though. I'm not saying that, but you do want to leave some of those spots open. Because you got to th- – okay, how many of these guys are guaranteed to leave? You got Leakey and Pete Nance, you have no choice. Mondo, you would imagine, doesn't exercise that COVID right. year he's gone. Probably Caleb. Most likely. Well. Other than that, Justin I mean, McCoy, look, I think maybe he has a COVID year, but he could be gone. Yeah, or, or or he but, just transfers but, out of the program. Let's, let's be honest with that. Could you replace that guy with with the walk on, and it's really that much different? Like I'm being no, I'm I'm being dead serious right now with his production that he's had. Bo May, I, I mean, like I, I just so. I, I'm not worried. Do, do they probably add maybe one more guy to the class by the end? Yeah, they probably do. But you're bringing in, you brought in such a big class this last time around. And I got to tell you, unless there is something completely unforeseen, which is Seth Trimble just breaks out and is that good and comes in six man of the year type stuff. Is the equivalent to me in the church basketball leagues? Yeah, okay. he's gone. Yeah. Okay, then he, yeah, he would be gone because they'd kick him off the team. Um, but if I mean w- with him, Jalen Washington, look, I, I think there's a chance he's going to be really good. 
he it's going to take him some time because he's still – I mean, he just got back to full practice a couple weeks ago. Yep. So it's going to be a while with him probably. Will Shaver we know is a guy that's kind of still going through – Everything. He's a developmental guy, even though he was there earlier. And then Tyler Nickel, I don't see him being a guy that's going to go to the NBA. I just, I, I don't see that. Not after one year. I think he has a chance to be a heck of a player with his shooting ability. But so, so you're probably bringing back all of those guys. I don't see anybody beyond the guys that we just talked about leaving. Any of the bench guys, I don't see any of that happening unless there are transfers. So, yeah, you're probably going to be a team that, unfortunately for 23, may have to build through the portal because of how stacked this team is this year. So you've got to leave some spots for the transfer portal. But, yeah, I, I still think, to me, there's not much to worry about here because you've, po- you've got your point guard or at least your combo guard, which is a feature of, of every class, it seems like, for Hubert Davis and really for modern recruiting classes in general, and you've got your big man. So I'm all right right now. I, I think I, I think they're still doing good. And like you said, remember when he took the job last year and remember a couple of months in, people were panicking about where that class was at. Man, he just this is not working out well. He's not off to a great start. They get in season, they finish the recruiting class with four commits. Like, I, people should not even be close to panicking right now. Yeah, no, because as we are on the eve of the college troop season, that does mean we are on the eve of the high school basketball season. So we, we will see more recruiting news and nuggets trickle out, and we'll be here to cover that. Let's move on to closing notes really quickly. I just got one for you. Single-game tickets are now on sale. You can visit GoHeels.com to purchase your tickets. That way you find your way into the Smith Center to hopefully watch or, or watch the preseason number one team as they hopefully make their way through what we're hoping is a national title season. That's going to wrap up this edition of the show, but we do encourage you guys to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We had you covered all things Duke as Carolina won the battle for the victory bell for the fourth straight year. Go back and check out the recap. you got Ashton's analysis. There will be a trench report and a stock report available as well, also with Carolina in the bye week. You will have the midseason grades coming out for Tar Heel football. As for basketball, go back and check out the more in-depth article about the four-star commitment that is Zayden High. Read about Carolina being preseason ranked the number one team in the country. You'll have a feature about Caleb Love on the site this week as well. Get all that and more, HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. You can rate and uh, you can rate and review the uh, rate and review the podcast. Most importantly, we encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. You've probably noticed an uptick in podcasts coming out here as of late. That is normal this time of year as we're getting you ready for the season. And then once we are in season mode, there will be as many individual game preview and recap podcasts. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. And that way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the season. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do you think Anthony for hosting with me? Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.